Welcome to Dream Maker, a podcast brought to you by First National Bank of Syracuse. At FNB, we strive to make sure that every life we touch is improved. Join us for each episode as we cover a wide range of topics, from financial wellness and marketing to mental health and ways to enjoy life overall. We may even teach you a thing or two about cultivating healthy soil. We are here to improve your life and so glad you've joined us today. Now, here are your hosts for today's episode of Dream Maker. Well, hey, everyone. Well, this is Chris Floyd, President and CEO of the First National Bank, and welcome you to our uh, DreamMaker podcast number four. And uh, this week, we're really fortunate to have Ashton Maxfield with us. Ashton is president and uh, founder of the Master Plan Communications. is a kind of a PR firm, and they're uh, based all over the country. So it's really great to have Ashton with us. And, and to start off, Ashton, why don't you kind of give us a little background and history of your company and, and kind of how you got to this point? Thanks, Chris. I'm really fortunate to be on the show today. Thank you for having me on, and I'd be happy to tell you about Master Plan Communications. Master Plan Communications, we call it MPC a lot. Um, MPC started in December of 2011. I founded it, and what I did was the day that I started it, I was very fortunate to um, have my current employer become our first client. I had been working with Soul Technology, which is the parent company of Etnies Skateboard Shoes and 32 Snowboard Boots. Um, for since 2005 and it was December 2011 and when I started MPC they actually the same day that I had the idea to start it um, they hired me as a contractor which was really great and when I first started it I had the background in public relations I have a communications degree from Cal State Fullerton and then after working in public relations for five years I applied to a program put on by the Public Relations Society of America, which allows you to become accredited in public relations, which tests you in every facet of PR, from, from corporate communications to nonprofit to government relations and lobbying and all of that, and all of that entails, crisis communications, all the different areas. You go through a series of tests over one year. It's a one-year graduate school program where you have to have been working for at least five years in PR to apply to the program, and you're tested by a board, and then you go through um, a really intense written test later in the year. And um, that really just helped me know that I knew PR. And so having that background, starting the agency December 2011, I knew that I wanted to um, not just have consumer lifestyle brands, even though I had that background. Before I had worked at Soul Technology, um, I had worked in B2B PR and also consumer technology PR right after 9-11. Back in 2001, in that era, um, there weren't very many jobs. And while I wanted to work in consumer products because it was my dream to work in something really fun and exciting, um, I ended up working in technology because that's where there were jobs in PR. And um, I did PR for, for Qualcomm and Kyocera and a whole bunch of things with Verizon and other mobile phone technology rollouts. That was right before 3G was a thing. And so during that time, I learned a lot about the B2B side of things. So when I launched MPC, I wanted to have both the consumer side and a B2B practice. And so the first week that I launched the company, I started pitching companies in the supply chain. We had an opportunity there. And I 
thought that could be our B2B um, niche. So um, the first client that hired us in the supply chain was Hannibal Industries. They're a big steel pallet rack manufacturer. Um, huge. They actually have developed, they build the steel pallet rack for Amazon warehouses and Home Depot and Sam's Club. Like when you go in those types of places, you'll see this racking holding up the boxes of products. That Hannibal has made a lot of that. They're not the only one, but they're definitely one of the very biggest in North America. So um, we did, we grew into the supply chain and um, then I had the technology background and so did some of the staff I hired. So we um, also stuck with those three markets. And for the longest time outside of those markets, we um, referred the business out so we could really be an expert in the markets that we served. Um, so that's a very long answer to our overview, but that's, that's it. And one of the things that I really think is neat about Master Plan Communications is the staff loves public relations so much and PR that um, it doesn't feel like work to a lot of them. At least that's what they've expressed to me. They're true experts. This is what their whole careers have been. And they um, really like helping our clients build and protect their businesses. Well, that's cool. That's a, that's a neat story because uh, a lot of times, you know, like for me, you said PR is like I would have a hard time grasping all the different things that you do. Uh, when helping a company, like what's a good, like if you just run off like quick list of types of things that, that um, like, I guess what's available or how, you know, what things do you help companies with most or what types of things? Well, that's so public relations sounds really abstract to a lot of people. And I have family members that have asked me what I do every holiday. And I bet you if I told, if they, if I put them on the spot right now and said, what is PR? They'd probably not be able to define it. Um, to sum it up real briefly, it's establishing and maintaining relationships with the people your organization needs to succeed. So that's, that's what public relations is. We establish and maintain relationships to keep the business healthy and growing. And the area that we specialize in at MPC is really business building public relations. So um, that really sums up what we do. And it's changed so much. A lot of the tactics and tools have changed so much over the last 15 years. But um, the things that NPC offers are social media, press releases, press tours. And that, that really helps with a lot of businesses that are a larger size or are uh, a startup that's well-funded that's trying to go after a really big market. So with the, social me- um, with the press tours, that's a, whole, a lot of media interviews to reach who they need to reach to grow. So with start, um, and then product placement is placing products on TV, in films, and in the right media outlets. We do a lot of trade show campaigns, and that's um, every part of the trade show. So from um, setting up media interviews there, determining the news that the company should release at the show, helping them with the booth build, booth design, the advertising campaign, all of the promotional products. We do offer all of that. And then um, putting on media events, which we do a lot of, and then um, media pitching to land stories. Uh, So those are all different things that we offer under straight PR. We do social media management where we calendar the social media program and do the posting and run the account with all the interaction. We offer professional photography. We do a lot of video production a lot of graphic design, and then um, website design. 
one one way to kind of sum it up that ties in with First National Bank, I think, um, what a PR campaign really is um, in a way that really speaks to, I think, Western Kansas, where I'm sitting right now in Garden City. Um, one of the, the commercial bankers at First National Bank, um, Brandon Mumgard, he was really excited. He's a personal friend of mine, and he was really excited to run a marathon at a faster time, and he'd signed up for it. I don't know if you know the story, Chris. Oh, yeah. Yeah, his virtual – well, I guess you'd call it a virtual marathon. Or I don't right, know right. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly it. So he, he was going to do – yeah, so he, he was really excited about running this marathon in Nashville, and they canceled it because of COVID. And we were talking, and he's like, I'm just going to run it by myself in Garden City and just kind of do my own thing. And he made this cool shirt. And I was like, that's pretty cool. Would you want to make it, like, get the word out, maybe make it bigger and see if anyone else wants to um, to join you in running in Garden City? And so we kind of brainstormed a little bit. It's totally his thing, but my thing is PR. So we, like, threw back forth the name and called it, like, the social distancing race. And... Um, with his blessing, after kind of brainstorming that, my um, my company, we built a website for it real quick. We we put it into messaging about it, about how you can join um, this social distancing race during COVID and you can raise money to help frontline workers. And then we put that out there to the media and pitched them. So what that turned into was um, KSN, the local news station, um, interviewing Brandon and me and doing a full story on it. That ran statewide, also into Oklahoma and Texas. So that was cool. It also turned into a full Garden City Telegram article. We still have a print newspaper here, and they ran it, which was really cool. And then Greater Garden City, um, an online news source, did a full story on it. And we also, I reached out to some broader contacts in the trade of running and um, outdoor recreation on Malachi.com, and they did a story which reached Europe and all over. So because of the public relations, like amplifying this local thing, um, which was a good thing for a good cause, there were people that participated all over the United States and into Europe. And they all submitted, they all had their time submitted, they all donated money, they all did all these things to participate. And the only way that that was communicated was through a public relations campaign from MPC. So that kind of like, is an example of what PR does and what it can do. It took something really grassroots in Garden City, Kansas, and connected people all over the country and um, even into Europe. Well, yeah, that's a cool story because really you couldn't like, you know, you couldn't print enough flyers or a little something like that to get that many people to show up and do that. And, and, uh, and yeah, so that's a neat story because you really just kind of just exploded it uh, by just kind of a few steps of, you know, following the process there. So I think exactly. that's pretty cool. And, yeah. and we've seen that, so as an agency that has, we know inside and out PR planning and PR strategy in an effort to like build business. So we've been able to take that for local companies in Kansas and really help them build their business through that. Whether they hire us for an ongoing program or they just rely on us for their marketing and PR, like Tetro Plumbing in Garden City and Servitech out of Dodge City, which is really a large agricultural company or um, companies that just want a project here or there, like the Garden City Co-op or Circle Bar Cattle Company, um, where they need a project done, like a new website or graphic design or an ad. They reach out to us and we give them a quick estimate of how much time and money that would take. And then when they approve it, we provide them with 
what they hired us for, they're able to use it and move forward. Like just today, we completed a project for the Garden City Co-op. So we not only work for kind of large household brand names like Igloo and Red Bull, um, but we also work with companies right here in Kansas, like Garden City Co-op and Tetro and TPNL and GSS and others that um, are right here. And we we love it. Like we love working with um, local companies that we can help them grow their business with um, what we know how to do. So, yeah, it's because it's neat because really it's you know I think about uh, sometimes it gets kind of amazing how big the world is and then how small we can make it. And, you know, out with communication and, and especially the Internet nowadays, I mean, it's so easy to get a hold of people and and uh, broaden that outreach. So that's just yeah, that's really cool. So how like the businesses. Um, so most of like some of those businesses aren't really, um, I guess, the business business part of that that you're talking about. You know, what are they kind of really trying to target, I guess, if they're not, you know, because a lot of times we think of retail or. Or PR stuff is you know mostly a retail basis where it be you know the ads or you're talking about the ad placement or product placement stuff like that. How's a business to business deal a little different? It's it's definitely different. Like for example, like a Servitech out of Dodge City, they're targeting growers. Which used to we growing up, I was in 4-H and FFA, and we always like said, and I mean farmers, but now it's growers. So um, they're targeting growers, um, agricultural growers, to um, use their products and services in their laboratory. Everything from, of course, like crop services to dairies and feed yards. And um, how do we reach them? So it's not sometimes that makes sense to have an article in local newspapers, sometimes. But a lot of times it's more direct to them through trade media that they're reading, those specific farming um, and then dairy and other trade media outlets that target those guys. Or sometimes it's more, even more direct than that and going through their ownership, like communicating through the local co-ops um, and other ways of getting direct to those customers. So it's not, it, it's a different approach depending on who the audience is. And what, what we do, it's definitely a very tailored program for each of our different customers. So when someone like, Servitech comes to us, we talk to them specifically about who they need to reach and what they need to communicate or what they're trying to accomplish. And then we um, build a key performance indicator, um, a measurable objective that says by this date in this time period, we need to hit this number. And so it's all very measurable. Like we're trying to reach a certain number of people or certain reach a certain goal in a certain time period. And as an agency, that puts master plan communications, um, it really sticks our neck out there. I mean, we are committing to reaching a measurable goal with public relations and marketing. And there's a lot of art to marketing and PR and science, but a lot of art to it. It's, it's relations, it's media relations, it's public relations. Um, and so with doing that, um, we're accountable. And I think that's one of the reasons why we've had such long-term clients, because we are accountable. We communicate really clearly throughout the whole process, and then we evaluate the program with the client and then make any adjustments needed. So it's um, something tangible. If you're a business person, you want to grow, you need to grow, and we're a resource to help you do that. 
Yeah, that's, that's really neat. The, you know, those KPIs you're talking about, because a lot of times I think it's hard to know, you know, exactly, you know, but you're especially some of your advertising is like, you know, how did anybody even see it? You know, so that's really kind of neat. So like, what would be an example of a, like a, a different program you do? Like what kind of KPIs would you, do you look at or for example? Well, um, let me think really quick. Some of the, like a keeper, like a KPI might be, if if you're launching a new product uh, in an, in a certain market, it might be getting in front of a certain number of the target target buyers. So if you're launching a new, say you're launching a new agriculture software and you're trying to get it in front of X amount of the buyers externally, then we would set a goal of in the first quarter or whenever the sales season is for that product. During this um, quarter, we would want to hit this many eyes and get bring them back to this length or get this so we know that we're hitting that market. And we, we do that through through different ways. So it'd be a certain number by a certain date and reaching them. And then it could be one. And then w- some of the ways that we do that, which are so much more accurate than things were 20 years ago, is um, we... Uh, we use Google Analytics some. We use social media analytics on the different outlets. And we also uh, use um, Nielsen ratings for um, any media tracking. So with that, we have an accurate number from that month and that day, which wasn't something that was possible or we were able to use 15 years ago. At that point, everything was like, this, this magazine or this newspaper has this circulation and we were everyone was supposed to just believe that oh that many people saw that and a lot of times circulation numbers were inflated or maybe not accurate but today we can actually see who opened who read and go from there yeah because that's right because you know a lot of the and you talk about you know you mentioned the agriculture deal you know we all get those um you know farm journal stuff magazines they're probably kind of as you're talking about have a certain amount of circulation and sometimes they you flip through and they go right to the trash or yeah it's hard to tell so it is it is so yeah. there's that another one that um like an example we're working with a company called mac farms and they're actually the largest uh, macadamia nut company in the world today they have two different lines like royal hawaiian and mac farms and um we had during covid we had worked to have different things hit national media for them. And one of them was like a campaign on like healthy snacks, um, healthy snacks well in quarantine. And it got picked up by Fox News and a couple other media outlets. And then from there, it really spread. And it was the only, that was something they had not pushed anywhere else. It was all through Master Plan Communications and there was no paid media for it. It was all us, my team, the PR experts picking up the phone and email and reaching out to the media to get them to do a story on this product. And when that hit, they sold out within 24 hours. So something like that, it wasn't written into our key performance indicator of, um, you know, land here, sell out a product, but it was, we were trying to hit these media outlets. We had an objective of hitting this this tier of media with coverage this many placements so we in hitting that objective we actually at all their fulfillment at their fulfillment warehouse it like either sold out or nearly 
I might be sounding like I'm backpedaling now, but nearly sold out, but they got out of inventory overnight because of so many people clicking through the link to Amazon and just buying those for their COVID quarantine snacks. So something like that is just a huge win because we can see digitally what we did actually just sold them out of product and then our clients calling us to high five us. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. That's not too bad. Sell out in almost a day. So yeah, it was crazy. Uh, and yeah, that kind of stuff happens. We had a placement in People Magazine with a new style of shoe, and the client had never advertised in People. It had nothing to do with anything but our in-person um, media appointment with the editor of People that covered um, footwear, the accessories editor in New York, and then the product sold. Um, the inventory sold out right away, and they were client was super happy so that there is still real power in mass media even though there's so much social media and all kinds of new things happening there still is power in those big mainstream media placements so right so a lot of it sounds to me you really have to or seems one of the benefits you have is just customizing a program completely seems like really important. Yeah. yeah it really is and that's where it like comes back to our name master plan um we we really put a lot into that and so when we have like a big client come in like Igloo or DC Shoes or Etnies, they hire us for the whole year. And they're like, we want an annual program where you write this plan for us. And then once we give you feedback and agree on it, you work on it all year and here's the budget. And they have that and they just expect to do that. But then when we have a, a smaller, like a small business, maybe a small business that um, First National Bank works with that has never had any PR or marketing help come to us, the first thing we do is just talk to them about their sales and who they need to reach to grow and what their real goals are of their business plan for the next year. And once we understand their goals, and that's all confidential, and we, um, we're happy to sign an NDA or um, just agree on that, everything is confidential, then um, we've, we, under contract, make recommendations or build them just a plan. So they're not paying for some huge program. They often hire us just to write them a PR and marketing plan because they've never done it. And that's what we do. So then after we write that and then have a couple rounds of revisions and finalize it, then often these smaller businesses hire us to carry it out. And it's a lot smaller and we only they only pay us for the hours we work, but they're able to see real growth and um, they don't have that expertise because that's their business owner. They're an entrepreneur. They need to hire um, a marketing PR person like us just to help with that part. So we, it doesn't have to be a big project. We um, just really enjoy helping businesses um, get their name out and grow. And um, so we'd be happy to take on even smaller business. Well, that's cool. Cause a lot, a lot, I think you exactly when you mentioned the entrepreneur, you know, a lot of businesses get started because, you know, somebody's good at doing, you know, a certain skill and then they, you know, as businesses grow, we all kind of hit that at certain phases and you got to change like, um, you know, your customer acquisition goes from more organic. All of a sudden, I got to work harder to get them or look as you grow. And and like I said, a lot of us, you know, that, yeah, we didn't you know come out of the womb knowing how to do marketing and PR, and so it's not natural, I guess. And sometimes I think we lean towards much to what somebody else is doing, I guess. And it's like, well, it worked for them, and so it's really not maybe the right plan, I guess, either for someone. But right. So and it kind of grows from there, like a local business that. We're, we're working with right now, which will launch their website over the next week or so is um, Circle Bar Cattle Company over by Satana. And they wanted, they they work with dairies. 
They have about 27,000 head of cattle in their feed yard at a time. And they're all dairy heifers and they come predominantly from Wisconsin and then other areas too, because there's dairies all over. And that's, that's where they come from. And then um, they wanted to communicate more clearly with those dairy owners and then other potential dairy owners with a really modern site that's really simple. And so we put that together for them with most of the people they work with now are on their either Androids or iPhones all the time. So it's a really um, mobile friendly site with really to the point info, great imagery, and then um, just info about all the things they offer. So something like that where they don't need year round all the time, every day marketing. They would like to rely on someone who gets agriculture, comes from the area, but then has the expertise um, of working with bigger cutting edge things that are happening out there. And so we were able to kind of bring them all of that. And I just personally, I love Kansas. I, I really do. Like I like other places too, um, but I really love Kansas. And um, so I'm really excited when I get to work with Kansas companies. Yeah. And that's uh, and like, that's an example of someone that's not like there's just a huge number of targets they're looking at too. So you can get kind of pretty customized and for sure. Yeah, so their current yeah. site isn't, this new site isn't launched yet. I'm thinking we'll have the final approvals on what we need by this Friday. So I'm not sure when this podcast is going live, but that might be a cool one to check out. It's pretty neat too, because they're going on six generations of running the same farm in the same place and farm and ranch. They also have um, Kells Farms there. And it's from like 1885, I believe. Um, and I grew up with Vance Kells and Nathan. I've been friends with them for as long as I can really remember. And so it's pretty neat that now their kids are starting to work at the farm and that's the sixth generation. So, and they homesteaded right there, which is really cool history. I'm sure there's a lot of others in your listening audience that still work the farm that their family homesteaded. But to me, I was just like, that's pretty cool. Um, so one of the things, you know, talking about uh, made me think about how things change uh, over time, you know, how we market in PR. Of course, you got the internet's a big piece of that, really. Um, uh, how do you, I guess, how's that evolved over since you've been, you know, start, well, since you've been in the business, I guess, really, since you've been doing this longer than you've had master plan, but what's kind of been the big evolutions you think? Well, it's been, I feel like I, I feel really lucky to have started public relations when I did. So when I started, I love magazines. I love media and learning about what other people are doing, especially in things that I really care about, like um, fishing and hunting and surfing and skateboarding and snowboarding. Those are my five hobbies that I've had since a teenager and just really, really care about still in my forties. And I have, I loved those magazines when I was a kid, like growing up in garden city and getting the new trans world skateboarding in the mail or buying Thrasher at Dylan's and learning about what was happening in skateboarding on the coast and then around the world. Albeit like usually two or three months behind what actually happened. Did those photos actually run in the magazine and I was actually behind in Kansas, but learning about it, like I just loved it. I loved that portal to the world. And then that's what ultimately ended up bringing me to public relations was uh, my loving to work with the media and then finding, I had no idea when I went to college that public relations was a thing. And I found it kind of, I was my fifth major. But when I started in 2000, magazines were very, very important, both trade magazines and consumer and trade being like the business magazines, like um, agriculture or whatever other 
business that only the business people in that trade got. Those were a big deal. And then newspapers were huge. They were super, super important. And all of this print media and then TV, of course, and traditional TV channels uh, were important. And um, radio, those were the things. And the internet was just coming of age. Like it was 2000, 2001. It was a thing. Email was a thing. It all was. But it wasn't something that our clients, when I was first starting in PR, were seeing as important. They wanted print. They wanted TV. And that's who we worked with. And then the online and digital was like secondary. And that quickly, I mean, over 20 years, it really changed. But it was cool to be a part of that because how important print was to people and seeing stuff in print and writing for print at the time. Like I wrote for newspaper and magazines. And then from there, as it moved to like now, print being not important hardly at all, which I still like print, but it's just changed so much. And in the middle there, there was this time of like 2005 through 2009, probably, when both were just important. And it was crazy because the amount of media coverage we could get for something was just through the roof because we were hitting on both levels and the numbers were growing on both sides so much that just because we had more eyes and the numbers were so big and the amount of media placements were so big for one product launch didn't mean that more people bought the product. But it was incredible as the PR guy that was getting hired to get media placements to bring each month have for one brand like 200 placements or 150 different placements for one product. Like it was just so much. And now that's, it's all changed. And now there might be more because it's social, but these were all monthly. It was just a wild time. And so it's been fun to be a part of the evolution as it went from print to digital to now um, the new media side of digital with everything um, on social and all these other digital options. It's been pretty fun to be follow that whole process. And I'm really happy just to be like a student of it and being on um, the cutting edge as everything changes. And I think that my team just loves that too. Like I'm, we have this culture of teamwork, which everyone says, and it's good to say, and it's good to try to have, but um, this culture of teamwork at MPC, it might have something to do with our size or just the team's passion for um, media communications and PR, but this little group of 10 people at MPC just pulling together to um, and being excited about as things change, updating each other on like what the latest thing with this is and the latest there and what we can do with Instagram stories and how we can use this. So it's really fun to have that kind of an atmosphere in a company with all these people that are passionate about it. So. Yeah. A lot of times you get that group, even like say 10 people when that kind of passion, it's almost like 10 probably working as 20 or 30 or more, you know, really with that kind of. It feels like it. It it really feels like it. It does. And um, this year I, as the founder and president, I haven't been down in the details of the accounts as much. I've been, I have three people at Master Plan Communications that are really senior um, PR and marketing people that are leaders. Um, Kirsten Woodard, who's a director, she works out of our Fort Worth office. Michael Custodio, um, who's a senior account executive out of our Irvine, California office. And then Debs Choi, who's an account supervisor, who's also out of California. Those three, all of our accounts are split among them. And then we have support people like John Arman that heads up all of our video and his team 
that we scale out depending on how big the project is. And Nick Macedo heads up all of our digital and design and the people that he pulls in as needed. And then other account people that work on the different accounts. And it's we have these systems in place that even as I have not been down in those details nearly as much, I've been um, higher level. And um, as people have been spread out and working from home, the systems just kept working. And so to me, that was the biggest reward and also relief because um, it's a really uncertain time. But those same systems just continue to keep everything on track with each account. And we have happy clients and we had a lot more business come in throughout the um, quarantine from March through that whole quarantine time until now when everyone's getting ready for back to school and seeking this new normal whenever it comes. Um, we've still had more business come in, um, new business, which has been really great and a little different, but the same system just continued to work. Yeah, that's where I think those systems, like you say, are really important. And uh, just so you make sure, and because as the business grows, you know, you kind of get lost out of a good system like that. Right. So I like, you mentioned the COVID deal and, and the coronavirus. Uh, how do you see like your customers do things different or how do they, how to have to, what kind of things do they have to adapt to really uh, still get out there, I guess, and market their products and their companies? It was dramatic. So very beginning, I mean, it was seriously, I think it'll be one of the craziest times I've ever looked back on in my career. But end of February, we were looking at six events in one week in the beginning of March in, I think, three different states. So um, we had stuff going on in California, many things going on in Atlanta, and i um, trying to remember the other, but one other state event, and I can pull it up, but for different clients. And we were in the middle of this big event for Igloo Coolers to launch a whole new category for them. All the top tier media were flying into California from New York um, from like good housekeeping, um, like the whole list, like major titles that you would go see at a newsstand that, that are big online forces now too. We're all coming in. And then it started with a home goods trade show, which all those outlets that we were having come to cover coolers go to. The show canceled. And then there was Natural Expo West. And that was a part of our event. Like our media were going to go to that after they came to the big Igloo event. Um, that show, after the exhibitors had already set up, canceled the show. And um, I know that everyone's gone through like crazy cancellations. But when those two things happen, our media that we're already, we already paid for flights for and hotels. And we were having this big launch event in Newport Beach where they see this whole new collection of eco-friendly coolers. And then we take them surfing and all these different things, like amazing trip for them staying on the beach. And they all canceled at once. So we were just sitting in our office getting cancellations just like one after another. And we're just like, okay, like this is not good. It's a huge amount of budget that just got canceled. At the same time, we have other another big supply chain trade show um, going on in Atlanta called Modex. And every company that's in anything to do with moving products is at that show from pallet rack manufacturers, forklift companies, logistic companies, battery chargers for forklifts, like anything. And we have multiple clients there. And the show the clients decide, are they going to pull out even though they've already spent a lot of budget, like well over six figures to be at the show um, with their booth and all these things, they can't get back. But they're like, because of COVID and being serious, but we don't know that much about it yet. Um, 
how serious is it? Should they send their employees? Should they not? So then our, our clients pull out of that show all except for one. So we went from like six events to one. And at once, we still did the Igloo event. And then we had, I guess we had two. We had one client that did Modex. So we had two events, but from just down. And the Igloo, we had to change everything. So then right after that, we usually have employees traveling from NPC all the time. Uh, only reason I can live in Garden City is because we have an airport with a jet and I fly in and out through Dallas all over um, a couple weeks a month. We just, our travel stopped. So here's where I'd like to answer to your question about how our business changed. We had a whole bunch of annual contracts that our clients, that same like we talked about, they pay us to put the plan together, they approve the plan, we work so many hours a month and deliver so much work a month to um, complete their PR and marketing plan. Those plans just kind of dried up. Like they immediately, we had several of them call just because they were so nervous about future sales because of COVID that they just terminated contracts. So we had that happen all at once. And at the exact same time, I was getting those cancellations and completely understanding and respecting. They stuck all of our clients, held true to the contracts. Um, and we had the termination period where we had our 30 or 60 or 90 day window. Like everything worked fine and I respect them and we'll probably work with them again because they have great relationships. But um, we have all this crisis communications business coming in really quick. So we had a lot of clients. Like one thing that we do is crisis communications. We train companies to prepare for crisis situations, but then they also call us when something happens and we take them through it. And that could be anything from a product recall to a fatality on site at an office, to having to deal with layoffs or having um, employees come in with being exposed to COVID or positive and not realize and us um, handle that media relations and crisis communications for them. So we, we do all of that or lawsuits. We do, you name any kind of crisis a company can have and we handle those situations for them and help them save their reputation and manage all the communications both internally and externally to navigate that. But so with that, we had a whole bunch of crisis communications work coming and um, companies that moved into creating um, equipment for COVID, whether it be masks or other things. And so we were really, really busy in March and April and the first part of May with all of this crisis communications and other new projects. And it was all shorter term work. It wasn't something that as a business owner, I could forecast three or six months out. It was this project, this time frame. let's do it. So we worked a lot of weekends and nights during March where I think a lot of, at least in my mind, I was like, oh, people are home, people are off, people are furloughed. But we were just at our computers and our phones advising CEOs and presidents and vice presidents um, of the best communication strategies to take and um, being paid for it um, a lot of weekends and nights. But it worked because we navigated it profitably and we're um, here we are in August on track and um, still profitable and have the same staff. So I feel fortunate for that and just, you know, look forward to the next steps. Yeah, because I can, you know, Matt, well, I think about every business, you know, ours included, you kind of go through, hit that and you're like, whoa, what's going to happen? And and just the unknown, I think, is kind of, um, kind of, well, it's just scary. You know, everybody doesn't know what's going on. And so how they, you know, you probably go through phases where, okay, this is what I need to do now. And so that's kind of interesting that, uh, well, you had the tools, I guess, for no matter what they needed. 
to communicate with. And uh, uh, so that was really helpful. So have you seen a change like in how like your marketing plans you put for customers together? Has that changed some because of the way, you know, more people at home today working and just the way the whole environment's changed? Has it changed how you actually your marketing plans end up for people? Yes, it definitely has. And in some of the services that we're providing uh, are different too. So for example, we're not, we're not pivoting, which is like this really for a while now, right? It's been a big, how are you pivoting your business? It's, we're not pivoting. We know who we are. We're public relations and communications experts, and that's who we are. But what we're doing is adjusting some of the tools we use and some of the tactics to still provide that same value to our clients in new ways. So one of the things we're doing with Centura, which is the health group here in Southwest Kansas at St. Catherine Hospital is owned by Centura. And we're, we've helped them lately as a new client by providing what used to be in-person conferences for them. We're now setting that up and facilitating that for them through Zoom. So um, in the past, they would have been doing an in-person event that they know how to do and have done and succeeded at. But they look to us for expertise in um, taking an in-person event and making it virtual. And that's, that's been successful and something that we certainly wouldn't have been doing as much of a year ago. So, Yeah, it's kind of one of those things that, uh, yeah, we've kind of used Zoom for a while, but it's like you get used it a lot more than what you used to. Kind of testing our internet speed, I think, a lot of places. It's right, right. Bandwidth, kind of interesting. <laughs> And there's another client that's called Industry Resource, and that is put out by um, Group Y, which is the owner of the Outdoor Retailer Trade Show, which is a really big outdoor trade show, and they own and operate a whole bunch of other trade shows. They have launched this. They're about to launch officially, but it's been live for a while, but they're about to officially make a big move with Industry Resources, a website that provides business owners with every resource and connection they need to succeed. So um, there's a lot of virtual events with um, covering certain topics, but there's also experts in each area. So if you need help with logistics or accounting or PR, any certain area you could think of, finance, if you need help with um, finding the right bankers or understanding those things, you could be, you can go there and ask direct questions from a CEO of a super successful company, um, things like that. Like, and or other resources, which I think getting directly to talk to those people is something that wasn't ever available when I was starting out, even eight, nine years ago as my own company. So I think that that will be great and it'll meet a need that trade shows used to meet, but have struggled with in the last few years. And now it's like COVID-19 pandemic has galvanized some of these changes that just needed to happen anyway. So um, it pushed some of these things forward, I think. I mean, I'm not going to go in and get groceries anymore anytime soon. I'm going to have them bring it out to my car. I never would have started that if it wasn't for COVID. So even things in my personal life have changed, right? Yeah, a lot of things. There's like things, there were kind of trends that were kind of coming and it just seems like the COVID deal just kind of yeah, hit, put the pedal to the metal and got, it, got us there a lot faster for sure. So now you mentioned one well, that's kind of interesting that, you know, how your workers are set up and how many different offices or, or was anybody working in offices or how does... How spread out is your company, I guess? 
Today we feel really spread out. It all started in Southern California in Foothill Ranch. Well, Rancho Santa Margarita, South Orange County, California. I started it in Rancho Santa Margarita and then opened an office shortly after I started it, the company in Foothill Ranch, which is the next city. It's a couple miles from Rancho Santa Margarita. I started it there because, well, that's where I lived. And I wanted to be in Foothill Ranch because a lot of the companies that we worked with or wanted to work with are right there. So um, Etnies, 32, Oakley, Sheckler Foundation, um, LRG, there's Volcom, Billabong, like all the companies in skateboarding and surfing that I knew and had worked with and wanted to work with were within a few a few miles, I guess maybe like 15 miles, but many of them were within a mile of from where I started. So I wanted to be right there, be the local company. So we started there, but as things spread out, uh, I wanted to, I saw a lot of opportunity in Fort Worth and Dallas. And we opened an office there last summer, a year ago. And we moved our office in from Foothill Ranch two years ago um, to Irvine, which is centrally located in Orange County, right by the John Wayne Airport, and still right in the middle of everything we need to be in the middle of with this really great space in the Boardwalk Building. So we have those two physical offices. And up to COVID, the staff went into those offices every day, just normal. And then we have a space in New York City, with one um, team member there in Soho. And that space we don't go into every day. We He works from home a lot, but it's important for us to have an office and location there for meetings, shipping, and any other things that we need to do out of an office. But he works from home a lot. So once COVID hit, though, everything changed, and most everyone worked from home for quite a while. In our Irvine office, we had um, none of my staff got sick, but we did have... Um, people in offices right next door to ours, someone come in um, positive, and then they actually closed our building down right away. In New York City, um, one of my team member there lost a family member from it um, very early on. It was really serious to us immediately because of being in the big cities. So we um, started working from home. So no one went in any of our offices for a few months. And then starting midsummer uh, in Fort Worth, it's a lot more mellow there. And plus like Texans don't think anything will bother them. So <laughs> in Texas, my employee there was like, I want to go back to the office. So I have two employees there. It's a small company of two employees in the office there. One of them is working from home by choice. And everyone in my company can work from home as long as they want. But um, Kirsten Woodard, the director there, she wanted to go in and enjoys all the good things about having an office, with being able to focus and the space and all of the great things about working in an office and being efficient, she enjoys. So she's still going in and um, which has been great. So it just depends. But right now, so the short answer, I guess, is we have real office buildings that up until the pandemic, real people were in every day. Right now, most everyone's working from home and spread out. Do you anticipate like if, uh, you know, say we fast forward to where everything's back to normal, whatever normal is, uh, using offices again or what's yes. your thoughts there got that completely far? completely for us there's a lot of there's a lot to be gained by working together in an office we can the senior staff can work independently and remotely with all of their expertise just fine and there's a lot of the online collaboration tools that we can use to stay up to date and work together with go to meetings zoom and all these other great tools, Slack, we can work from anywhere that has good internet and provide great results to our clients. 
But for bringing up a team and having a company culture, it's so much better to be in the same place. We want to continue to bring in young junior PR people and right out of college or early on in their career and teach them the strong systems and the expertise that we know. And a lot of that's just done better in person. In person, we can be pitching side by side. We can work on pitches. We can work on all these things together and get it and hold that same positive team-oriented culture. So we want to continue to do that on some level. So I'm sure that we'll always, well, always is something I never want to say because then something might change it. But our plan for the foreseeable future is to have a headquarters in in Southern California, most likely in Irvine, um, and then also continue to grow our office and footprint in out of the Fort Worth office, and then all continue to travel in between the offices and have my workspace here in, in Garden City, Kansas. And then as things open up, I'm sure that we'll have a lot more events and activations and media tours in New York. And so we'll continue to use that space as needed. But we see value in the in-person interaction on the other side of the pandemic. Yeah, that's uh, one thing we've been really fortunate here at the bank is to keep most of us together. And because you, I think you kind of missed that. And and to me, there's that you know personal interaction together that you know your coworkers and uh, yeah, it's just a balance find getting it just right. I think it is kind of kind of a challenge. But so how did I got okay? I got I've been thinking about as you've been telling your story. Um, so you grew up in Garden City, correct? If I remember, correct. Right. Yes, I did. Okay, and you said you went to Cal. How'd you get to Cal State Fullerton, or why'd you? Well, so I grew up in Garden City, Kansas, and I I like so much about Kansas. I love the wide open spaces. I like the people here. I like Four Seasons. The wind doesn't bother me. I really love all the parts of the Four Seasons here. Like we're in the super dry place, but I like dove hunting, which is coming around the corner in a few days on September first going right into a little break in between dove and pheasant season, which the fishing's still pretty good in the fall, and then right into pheasant season, early November and deer season, and then all of a sudden it's the end of January, and you got like a month or two, but then I'm figuring out a way to go snowboarding also throughout the winter. And then it's spring, which is like the bass are starting to spawn, and uh, it's crappie season and everything's great for fishing again and then all of a sudden it's the fall but so I just love the seasons here and I like Kansas and I like a lot about it and I also I started skateboarding when I was like 10 years old so I'm this mix of um I really like certain things hunting and fishing and I really like skateboarding and fell into that when um when I was 10 and really enjoyed it and at that time you really had to live somewhere where it was nice weather all year to be able to do it all year. And if you wanted to work in the skateboard industry, you needed to be in California. And I went to California as a teenager to visit family and tried surfing and caught on to it, which was, it's really kind of complicated to learn. And I caught on to it. Um, my cousin taught me in San Diego and I was like, I'm going to come here after high school. So it was never like a time. There was never a day where I was like, I can't wait to get out of my hometown at all. Like I always came back to garden city and always enjoyed visiting and spending time with family and being here. Actually, the the years before we moved back with my family, we visited for like four or five months a year. I mean, that's kind of excessive visiting. <laughs> so we really like it. But um, so with that, I, I moved to California at 18, right after I graduated high school. I worked the summer at the Holcomb, managing the Holcomb swimming pool. I was the man, one of the managers and I worked for the city of Garden City as well and maintenance. And then um, 
that year I moved to California and I worked for, or I, I got a presidential scholarship to Pacific Christian College there. And um, that's right across the street from Cal State Fullerton. And as I changed my majors, I ended up going into public relations, which we've talked about this whole call. But during that time, like I was like, I made more sense to move over to Cal State Fullerton from the um, Civic Christian College. But I I got a degree in um, Bible from Civic Christian College. And while I was there, I was planning to become a doctor and a missionary. Like I was full of pre-med and biblical studies together. And I wanted to become a doctor and a missionary. But then um, the further I got into pre-med, I just realized that that wasn't where I was meant to go. And I changed my major a couple of times. Came back to Garden City um, for like six months after my freshman year of college and um, ended up getting a business degree and associates in business. And then from there, went back to California and um, finished school and public relations and stayed there. It was really hard to get into action sports as someone from Southwest Kansas, but I just am super persistent and kept working at it and calling everyone and going in and calling everyone until Quicksilver hired me, the surf company. And then from there, kind of stuck with that direction. Well, actually, well, that's cool. I mean, that's kind of a neat story because a lot of times, you know, you think of a, oh, you know, a lot of times you look back on, you know, your life and, you know, there's, you know, moments that kind of change directions or, or, you know, really you can't, you know, who you are today is just a, you know, a result of a lot of, a lot of things that add up over time. And so it's always kind of neat to hear that part of the story because I was like in Cal State Florida, I'm like, I wonder how you got there. Yeah, it's <laughs> kind of random. Makes sense now. Yeah, it's it's random that, but the the fun I don't know for me the thing that I'm proud of for me that I like is that I guess consistency. So I don't know that it really matters to anyone else, but to me it matter. It, I I like that I've been interested in and had the same passions since I was like a teenager. So and now I'm able to bring kind of all of those together. When I was 18 years old, I really liked surfing, and I was from Kansas, and I was surfing the same guys that I surfed with as an 18 year old when I first moved to California up until moving back here. And now when I'm back, I'm usually in California a week a month. I still surf with those same guys. I liked skateboarding as a kid. And then in my teens, since my teens, I've continued to skateboard. And I've now worked with a lot of the guys that I like looked up to as a teenager. Like I've worked with Tony Hawk. I've worked with Jamie Thomas. I've worked with um, Chris Markovich and Ryan Sheckler and Devin Callaway and all these guys that I was like as a kid or different phases of my life, like, wow, like that's someone I only see on TV or, and now I've been able to work with them. But then I always liked hunting ever since I was really little and I've fished ever since I was two. And now I get to work with hunting and fishing. I've been able to hunt and fish for work, like working with hunting and fishing brands and companies on PR. And then, um, but still being consistent with like who I am. Like I like Kansas. I like the ocean and skateboarding in California and, now I get to kind of bring it all together in my career, which I just feel lucky about. But the same 18-year-old Ashton liked the same stuff that I do into my 40s, you know. So I, at least I'm consistent, right or wrong. Yeah, <laughs> I'm on the yeah. Same path, so. Well, I guess that's good for a lot of people. You know, you think, you know, the things you're passionate about, you know, it's kind of, you had like two or three things that kind of came together where you never really, you didn't have to give up what exactly. you really wanted, liked, loved to you know have a career i guess you know that's kind of the neat part of that you get you get to keep that and so it's good for everybody not to ever give those up really i guess yeah and then the the stuff that i didn't ever know if i would really end up working in 
I liked, I really enjoyed 4-H and I really enjoyed the parts of FFA that I did um, in school. And I, I was, FFA was first part of high school, but I stayed with 4-H all the way through from that when I was 10 on. And um, I did livestock judging and I did, um, I even did like a program where we worked at, at the time it was IVP in Montfort, but with Gail Seibert at Garden City Community College, we um, had like a data, carcass data information thing that the producers hired us to do. Whole nother story. But basically, I really have been interested in agriculture uh, all the way through. And yet I never knew how that would connect back to my career. I didn't. Like, how could you connect to like being interested in skateboarding and PR and communications and fishing and hunting in Kansas to that? I didn't know. And now I'm able to it's really full circle. Like we're working with Servitech, we're working with feed yards, we're working with all these different companies, the co-op to offer what we know of marketing and PR and website design and hosting and videography to them. And it's something I know enough about agriculture about from growing up in it and working in it to really bring an authentic package to them and something that speaks to their audience. And at the same time, like, I bring my company, like I, I'm lucky to have these experts working at Master Plan Communications that bring this like really high level expertise where that's all they know is video editing and not the latest cameras and video production and the latest in web to these companies in, in Southwest Kansas where I love and I'm happy to be able to help them. So it is it's just super fun how it's all come together. And um, one thing I was just thinking, like I'm a big fan of First National Bank. I, um, when I came back to Garden City, um, I, I was in college in California at 18. And I remember like a couple of moments in my whole life that stood out, like the moment I asked my wife to marry me, of course. And the moment that I realized what I wanted to do with my life, I was like 18, January, I'm walking back to the library. It was January 98 at, um, in Fullerton. And it like hit me. I was like, I am going to school to get a job to work for somebody. My dad manages um agriculture and real um, residential real estate investments and other businesses and has time to go hunt and fish and do what he wants like i want to manage businesses so i like went to the dean of my college and i was like can i please take off one semester and will you hold my presidential scholarship so i can come back and his name was dean tiffin and he said yes we'll do that and they put it all in writing and they held my scholarship and i came back to garden city and I just took a whole bunch of business classes at the community college. And I asked my dad like a thousand questions and followed him around and learned how he set up his business. And um, I learned a lot. And I also started dating my wife then in Garden City and she moved to California. And that was also an important thing that happened during that time. But I got a loan. Like I, I, I was super interested in buying residential rental properties, which is not part of MPC. But I went to different banks in town as a um, 20 something. And I told them what I wanted to buy and how I wanted to do it. And I had two different um, loan opportunities, but Cindy Messenger at First National Bank totally took me serious as a um, a 20 something. I was a kid coming in and um, she made the loan for that. And I've had that same property, but I've acquired a lot more and grown that whole thing. But First National Bank always really took me serious and um, worked with me and just helped me both with master plan communications, we bank with them, with you guys, but then also on um, my real estate um, investments, it was really great to just have a bank that worked that way and knew me as a person. I actually knew Cindy from 4-H all the way back. So 
kind of a little sidetracked, but I wanted to be sure to tell you about that. Oh yeah. We really appreciate that. Cause you know, you gotta, um, well, you just never know what you run into or who you're going to meet. And so, man, you just got to treat everybody like they're, uh, uh, yeah, the, treat them as best you can and do everything you can to help them get where they want to be at. And that's just really key or I feel anyway. So for sure. Well, well the cool whole stuff. bank does that. I can tell from Cindy, all those years of working with her to Brandon and everyone else I've met there too has been super helpful. And they just really see that as helping people. It's not just about finance. It's really helping people. So. Yeah. And that kind of, I mean, it's kind of a lot like what you do too. I think is like, you know, if you focus on helping people, and help them get there where they need to get to, then everything else kind of comes in together real easy. So, Absolutely. Well, cool. Well, uh, Ashton, I really appreciate you taking the time and uh, out of your schedule to help uh, kind of help maybe people educate kind of what, not only what you do, but how things, what's available. Some of the stuff I wouldn't, you know, man, never thought of stuff like that. But if somebody wants to get a hold of you or need some help in their business, what's the best way to, uh, to contact you? Well, you could just give me a call at 949-289-6493 or email me. My email is a little longer. It's ashton at masterplancommunications.com. And if you're interested in the company at all and want to check us out before you call me, uh, the company website is masterplancommunications.com. And we love working with businesses, but especially Kansas businesses right here. It's pretty great to be able to help companies out in Kansas and this region. So I uh, would love to help with website, graphic design, photography, or any PR needs at all. Um, we'd love to help with. Okay. Well, great. That's kind of neat. This is uh, great to hear your story, Ashton, and kind of uh, uh, be inspiration for anybody who wants to listen and, and uh, yeah, never giving up those passions. That's key. So uh, thank you for uh, taking time to join us. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for listening to DreamMaker, making dreams come true. We'd love to connect with you. Find us on social media at FNB Windmill and online at fnb-windmill.com. Heard a topic that could enrich someone else's life too? Be sure to share this podcast with friends and family and check back regularly for new episodes or subscribe so you never miss a show. See you soon. See you soon.